everybody. This is Sean Harwell. You are listening once again to the Never Heard of It podcast. We're doing a mini episode today. That's number 47.5. It feels like we've done a lot more than that, doesn't it? But uh, here we are. Uh, I'm joined today, as always, by the man who's been here for all 47.5 of them. And his name is... Craig Moorhead. And uh, yeah, it feels like at least 48.5, I would say. You know what I mean? Yeah. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. All right. Well, let's. We'll talk to everybody next week then. All right. No, Sean. I think we should finish this this episode. And uh, as long as everybody's listening, we just want to say, uh, please uh, check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can subscribe in iTunes. Leave a review if you want to do that. Um, but also, you know converse if you want to suggest some movies we got a bunch of people suggesting movies and so on and uh uh, it's it's been nice it is nice and in fact we are doing a suggestion next week we're watching 1961-63 i think uh a movie called night tide starring dennis hopper very very young dennis hopper Mm -hmm. in a navy sailor suit for most of the movie and a blonde he's very very he's like platinum blonde he looks very blonde um yeah, that is uh, floating around on YouTube and lots of other places uh, and suggested by listener Tyler Baum, and we're excited to get into that one. I'll tell you what else I'm excited about still, Craig. What's that? That last episode, man. I had fun think- listening to that again and reliving the experience of watching Amir Costa Rica's Time of the Gypsies, a uh, really fantastic movie, mm-hmm. a discussion. I think was a good one, and hopefully those of you listening to that who haven't seen it, we'll go check it out now. And if you haven't listened to that one, you got something to look forward to, I think. I think so, too. Great movie. Good mm-hmm. talk. What more could you ask for? Uh, like, a, like a cup of water. That's really about cup it. A cup of water and a nice warm bed. Speaking of nice warm beds, let's go to France, shall we? That's where all the warm beds are, Sean. History was made in that Sofia Coppola became only the second female director to win the coveted Best Director Prize at the Cannes Film Festival. For her remake of the um, the movie The Beguiled that's coming out with Nicole Kidman and Joaquin, uh, mm-hmm. not Joaquin, why did I say that? Uh, Colin Farrell, um, who mm-hmm. I like a lot. I'm sorry, Colin. In in this remake of this Civil War set drama, um, I've seen some of the original. I can't wait to see this one. I think it's got a cool cast and a really cool looking vibe and so excited to hear that she, she won this award. But I suppose we should acknowledge the fact that, man... That is crazy that only this has only happened twice now, and it looks like the first time happened a long time ago in 1961. Soviet filmmaker Yulia Sontseva. Sontseva. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as I butchered that, I'm going to get the name of her movie right because this is an amazing title The Chronicle of Flaming Years. Maybe we should add Love that it. to the list because I've never heard of that. Have you? No, no, I have not. Well, Craig, why has it taken yeah. this long? for no more than two women to win win that particular prize. Well, there are a few reasons, Sean, and I'll go through them with you. Okay, let's do them all. Well, number one, this is the only, this is only the second Cannes Film Festival in existence. No one, people don't understand that. They had one in 1961. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, and two they had another one this year. So really, yeah, if you look at it that way. Yeah, okay. I was not looking at it that way. Yeah. No. No, uh, I mean, it would certainly seem that uh, this is another symptom of the larger problem. It seems women sort of being held at arm's length away from the industry for, for one reason or another. Uh, I, I saw sort of a kerfluffle on uh, 
Do I use that word too much? I feel like I've said that a lot of times on this podcast. I'm not sure you use it enough. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'll, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll use it again. I noticed there was a kerfluffle yeah. today because, was it Hollywood Reporter? Who had, had an article about Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman. And yeah. th- the way they were advertising it was talking about how it was such a big gamble because she was originally a, an indie film director. She only has one film under her belt. And now she's doing a big movie. What's the other movie she did? Was that Winner's Bone or no? Monster? Monster. Movie. Yeah. I like that movie. Uh, you know, I haven't seen that, but yeah, that's that's oh, a man, dang that's shame. Good. Yeah. Charlize. Whew. Yeah. She'll haunt your nightmares. She already does. No. Um, yeah. So anyway, there was this vibe that like it's a big gamble for them to take on her. And people were sort of pointing out like, well, when other people uh, like when like Trevorrow got Jurassic World and they were naming some other guys, it was like it was sort of the vibe was more like, oh, he's this great. He's this discovery. So it's, you know, so there's there's kind of this yeah. back and forth. And, and yeah, you know, it's, it's I, I feel like it is that kind of thing where it's, uh, it's subtle enough for people to sort of deny, which I think is why it tends to persist as, as a way of thinking. But, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, to think about how many, I mean, I mean, certainly at least Jane Campion's been there a number of times. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm very surprised that, that that's true. I hope it changes. I have to think it will. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's surprising in that I, I would have assumed that the previous winner was a much more recent filmmaker as far as winning that award. Uh, to know that there's been, sure. yes, that long of a drought is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also to know that this is the first I'm hearing of this, that there wasn't more of a deal about it, say in the past 10 years specifically. Yeah. I mean, look at how much ink has been spilled about the, the you know Oscars too white. Sure. And all of this stuff kind of around that particular award show, you would like to think, you know, that, that if the Cannes Film Festival is, you know, Oscars for the world and then like held to probably a higher standard on a critical standpoint. Yeah. Boy, you'd like to think that, you know, by now that would have happened. Yeah. So we will see. I think it's progress, obviously. And as far as the Wonder Woman thing, the only reason that I could see you making an argument about the gamble situation is that it does feel like DC and Warner Brothers needs a movie that's just an unabashed audience hit. Sure. All the other movies that they've had in that world have made plenty of money. Um, we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. But as far as one that's just like clearly been embraced across the board by fans, yeah, they could use one. Yeah, we've talked about it too with Marvel. They've been doing this since day one, so um, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know that John Favreau was a home run for Iron Man, or um, certainly James Gunn with Guardians and and all the other guys that they've been hiring. So right. yeah, that's a pretty ridiculous criticism to be making, and and even to be considering. You know, come on. Well, yeah, and and I think you know the Wonder Woman reviews look pretty good. Like probably the best reviewed. DC movie since you know the Nolan Batman movies unless I'm forgetting some stuff mm-hmm. so yeah it'd, it'd be nice like considering there, there does seem to be a sort of Hollywood group think in terms of like uh, ha- having your profit models and all that stuff hopefully Wonder Woman makes tons of money and people are like oh 
we need a woman director. That's how we'll make money on the next one, you know. And hopefully, uh, yeah. you know, that can that can kind of help uh, get a bigger foothold in the old industry. For sure. And I, I, I suspect that movie's just going to clean house completely. I think by the time this is dropped, it will have always already come out and we'll know how much money it's made. Probably a lot. Indeed. Uh, let's move on a second. Craig, when's the last time you watched the classic 80s vampire fantastic story of the Lost Boys? I'm not exactly sure, but I can't imagine it was more than five years ago. I feel like I see that one a lot. Yeah, it's been <laughs> yeah. too long for me. I did get excited, though. I saw on the AV Club that there's there's a new book coming out soon called Lost in the Shadow, the story of the Lost Bo- Boys by Paul Davis. Boy, mm-hmm. the cover's got a great painting on it. I feel like that that would be one that I think would be fun to read about, even though I haven't seen it in a long time. And then oh, yeah. just to revisit the movie, maybe in tandem when, with this. It looks like this guy also wrote a book about um, American Werewolf in London, so he, he's not new to this. And uh, yeah, we'll put that put that on people's radars, and maybe we'll revisit that when it comes out. I'm a huge fan of this kind of stuff. I gotta say, a while back there was a big, big book that came out that was sort of an oral history of the Friday the Thirteenth movies yeah and uh memories of crystal lake i think it was and i got that and that was <laughs> easily one of the best books i've ever read <laughs> oh man <laughs> that was exactly what i wanted yeah i just figured no one would ever write a book like that like <laughs> you'll never know what happened really behind this no one cares enough right yeah and then sure enough right. someone did so yeah I, w- I would love to dive into these um let's let's talk some trailers because there were a bunch dumped upon us in recent days that I think are worth mentioning. And we'll, we'll go through a couple of these here and uh, try to post some links. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start actually on the little old television screen, or as we've talked about, oh. uh, probably your laptop or your phone if you're most of the world. Amazon is dropping, and will we'll have dropped by the time this comes out, a nearly four-hour documentary on The Grateful Dead called Long Strange Trip. I have never, mm-hmm. ever, ever considered myself a deadhead by any capacity. I know very little of their music. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't consider myself a part of that subculture. <laughs> and sure. I think obviously those who know me would laugh at the idea of that probably. I'm pretty excited to see some of this. Uh, one of the big reasons for me is it is directed by Amir Bar-Lev, who did the Pat Tillman documentary, which was fantastic. He did another documentary called oh, yeah. My Kid Can Paint That, which is also really good. And then recently did the Happy Valley documentary about um, the scandal at Penn State University. I think he's done some music documentaries before, uh, even, I believe, about the Rolling Stones with Scorsese producing. Scorsese produced this as well. What do you think, Craig? Does this appeal to you at all? I don't know of you as a dead fan, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, I'm, a, I'm an American beauty fan. Okay. Over dinner tonight, I was kind of going through the other albums. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I, I really realized I really don't know much at all outside of that one album. And uh, but, but that being said, I think that album's really good from beginning to end. And I did see them live one time. Wow, really? Yeah. Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. I, I was 100% sober the entire time. <laughs> so I definitely didn't get the entire experience. Sure. But yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at this trailer for it, it looks really interesting. Like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like just uh, like it's just for deadheads. Like it looks like it's interesting no matter what. Like it feels like they're gonna really kind of dive into what this was all about. And it's the Grateful Dead are a, a phenomenon. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, it's incredible what has sort of gone on with them. And so I don't know. I'm real interested to see that, where that story goes. I like this trend, and I haven't watched the OJ documentary that was like five hours long, but clearly it had a lot of fans and got a lot of critical praise. And I like the idea that somebody's willing to let a filmmaker spend four hours telling this story. And I feel like this surely would be one that would warrant such a length. Because, yeah, you're talking oh, yeah. about decades now of influence and, and followers. I'm curious to see just, too, how kind of like the rest of the culture and just the era and then, you know, politics and all that stuff just intertwined with the dead. Because I imagine it did in a, in a thousand ways that I don't even know about, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that's kind of interesting and also a, a bit of a, a look back, I, I had no idea this was, was happening at all, but there's a teaser out now for a show coming to HBO called The Deuce. And that's not about actually taking a dump. Oh, I'm disappointed. No. Um, mm-hmm. James Franco starring David Simon of The Wire, George Pelicanos, detective writer also involved in The Wire and Treme, created this thing about the legalization and rise of the porn industry in Times Square in the 70s through the 80s. That's super specific. I would be incredibly dubious about the long-term success of such a series were not those guys involved. And I'll be the first to admit I have not seen all of The Wire, but yeah, the first season was amazing, and I just watched it recently. Right. It feels like right material for those two guys specifically to dig in and do right. What do you think? I mean, the teaser isn't really giving us much. I don't know anybody else in the in the rest of the cast. We keep talking about Franco. We're fans, obviously. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think this could be, could be an interesting role for him. Yeah, honestly, uh, I think the visuals looked amazing. And then seeing the people who are behind it, the fact that it's on HBO. Mm-hmm. I was on board without needing to know any more than that. James Franco, well, it's interesting. I mean, honestly, like the stuff that we've talked about here and the the movie we watched and all that stuff, that's mm-hmm. actually gotten me more interested in the stuff that he does. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just totally looking forward to it. And I wonder if it can find an audience because, as we've seen, you know, vinyl didn't make it. Yeah, that had Scorsese yep. behind it. It had the period thing going on. Your show, The Get Down, which I still haven't seen, that's not getting yeah. a second season either on Netflix. So, I don't know. These no. big period pieces, um, like, we'll see if the, if this one can find an audience. I kind of hope it will. Maybe the porn factor might help it, or I don't know. It could, could yeah. go the other way. Hopefully there's lots of porn in it. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's 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 flip to the movie side real quick. And we'll, we'll blast through a couple of these here. But I think the big one to talk about here is this uh, Murder on the Orient Express trailer. Agreed. I had also no idea that this was happening. I'm pretty interested. Sad to say, I don't know that I've ever seen all of the Lumet version. And I love Sidney Lumet. Like, he's one of my absolute favorite filmmakers. Are you yeah. familiar with the original? Uh, and there's two originals, but that, I think, is the most well-known one. No, haven't seen it, haven't read it, no idea. That is unusual because I like Lumet a lot. And I mean, a Agatha Christie mystery is always entertaining in some way or another. Sure. So I'm not sure exactly why. So, but let me ask you something. I just watched this trailer. Looks beautiful. Pretty incredible cast. Did you find anything in it that seemed out of place? Music, for sure. Thank you. And I thought the POV shot that's kind of introducing us to these characters was a little odd. 
and it's extended. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah that there, there's little things that make me wonder what the real movie is going to be like. And if there is like this crazy bit of, of, of stylistic POV thing, that would be interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. I also have to admit, it just it made me think about the Clue movie. And I, I, I would I'm kind of excited, like, you know, just a sheer like, yeah, who done it? Somebody died. These are you're all suspects because you're on this train. That's a, I mean, that's a classically amazing premise and a setup. So yeah. I feel like it's been a while since there's this kind of like ensemble whodunit yeah. of this ilk. So in that regard, I, I might be willing to just forgive things. Like I can't imagine that music is actually in the movie like in that way. I really hope not. It doesn't make yeah. any sense for the story. And I mean, yeah, it being a, it's a Kenneth Branagh movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of surprised to see essentially no humor really here. Like it seems yeah. deadly serious. And I'd be very surprised if the movie was that way. Because I feel like he usually has a pretty great little thread of humor in his movies. But yeah, I'm still totally on board for that. Craig, let's wrap this up by once again, we got to talk about Get Out because I finally saw the Jordan Peele movie. All right. I'm proud of you. What did you think? I liked it. How not that crazy? That's very unusual. It was really good. Now, Craig, here's what I want to talk about, though. Yeah. If you have not seen this movie and do not want the ending spoiled, it's the last thing we're going to talk about, so go ahead. You can, you can uh, wish us goodbye and come back to this sometime down the road. If you have mm-hmm. seen this, stick around. Because I rented this movie um, from Amazon, and it included an alternate ending. Do you know about this oh. alternate ending, Craig? I don't. So in the theatrical version, uh, all the shit goes down. There's some violence, Mm -hmm. some killings, and our man kills the girl Mm -mm. from Girls. She's smiling Mm -hmm. as she's being choked because there's a police car coming. And then we have the amazing TSA character who comes out of the police car to get his friend the hell out of there. I loved that ending. I loved that character so much. I could not wait yes. to see him again and did not expect to see him again like that. I thought it was perfect. Now, in the, yep. in the And let me just interrupt right here. Let me just interrupt for one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point in the movie, what did you think was going to happen? Okay, when the police okay. car showed up, I thought it was going to be that cop that had pulled them over on the way to her mm-hmm. parents' house and asked for his right. ID. And yeah. I thought it was not going to end well. I thought he was probably going to get shot. I am very much the same. I assume best case scenario, he's he's going to prison and will be thought of as a murderer, as somebody who went crazy. Like, I was convinced there was no way he was getting out of that, which just made that ending a million times better. That's exactly what happened when they, the original version that they shot. Really? Police car pulls up, the doors open. There's two cops to get out. I don't think it's the same one that pulled him over. He raises his hands. He goes to jail. Um, it, it cuts forward to some time later. The TSEA guy comes to visit him, and he's having the conversation. And basically, um, our hero tells his friend, it's time to give up. Like, I'm not getting out. Like, this is what it looks like. This is what happens to people in this situation. And, you know, clearly making a commentary on... And actually, it was interesting because this ending did have commentary on it. And Jordan Peele was talking about that at the time that he wrote this. And still, that would be the logical ending. That is what would happen to that guy. <laughs> he would certainly be pinned for that crime right? and those deaths, and he would go to jail forever. But then he, he said that a lot happened in the world 
And I think referencing Ferguson specifically, that he mm-hmm. got the sense that the audience needed a break at the ending there. They needed some relief right. and they needed the hero to get away. And that's what prompted that, that new version. And I got to say, like, uh, you know, endings are hard. Usually when you hear about alternate endings, yeah. it's because the hand was forced into providing a happy ending that's lame. Here, I think it was the right choice, you know, and I think it was his choice, maybe, ultimately. Yeah. Um, he did not seem to bemoan having right. reshot the ending. And uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting. That is funny. If you want to see what it, what you thought was going to happen, go rent the movie or or check out the Blu-ray. I'm sure it will be on there. And yeah, it's it's a fascinating flick. And a, you know, I think both endings uh, have a lot of validity to them for that specific reason. I would love to hear the rest of the commentary. I think that would actually be a really really interesting one. Yeah, I got I got to check that out. Whoo, Craig! <laughs> I think we should wrap it up. As always, everybody, thanks for listening. Go check out our website, make suggestions, and uh, come back next time. We're going to talk about Night Tide, and then we'll be back with another mini. Sounds good. Sean, you got any words of wisdom for us tonight? Be careful when visiting your girlfriend's parents. That was my takeaway from Get Out, by the way. Good call. Yeah, I'm sure, I think that was the message in general. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Just be careful. Yeah, just be careful about everything. All right, guys, be safe. Bye-bye.